Welcome, everybody, to our 2022 pre-convention ACB Board of Directors meeting. Yay! Woo! I believe it's the first time. Well, we had a fall board meeting that was hybrid. So, uh, again, uh, welcome to everybody. Uh, so I will officially call the meeting to order, and then I will ask our secretary, Denise Colley, to uh, do roll call and introduction of guests. Thank you, Dan. Dan Spoon? Present. Deb Cook-Lewis? Ray Campbell? Here. I'm here. David Trott? Really That's a matter of opinion. Uh, uh, Kim Charlson? No, Kim? <laughs> All right, uh, who's, who's who's monitoring the who's monitoring the zoom <clears throat> okay it's unmuted it's okay she's, she's not there yet okay chris bell here. jeff bishop here okay thank you donna brown here. james kratt Yeah. Worried about our Zoom people. Really? We have to raise our hands to be heard. Denise, did you get me? Yeah, I'm sorry, Jeff. Yes, I got you. Okay. Oh, we need to make them move them to participants. All right. Uh, Doug Powell. Here. Kenna Simeon. Patrick Sheehan. Connie Sims. Michael Talley. Jeff Tom. BOP Rep. Penny Reeder. Here. Staff. Eric Bridges. Clark Rackfall. Swatha Nandukumar. All right. Tony. Oh. He's not here. Tony's <laughs> not here. Yeah. Jolyn uh, Bailey Page. Here. Nancy Becker. She's, here. She's around here. <laughs> Cindy Hollis. No, Cindy. Col- All right. Col- Colby Garrison. Kelly Gask. Here. Sharon Lovering. Uh, some of these people. Um, is Caitlin here? Okay. How about Julie? Julie's right there. That's what I figured. <laughs> uh, Chris Sawyer. Rick Morin. Larry Gassman. Did I forget any staff? All right. Can we? Take a mic around and see who's here vis- as visitors. You need to borrow this one. Glenn McCulley, Seattle. Yay. Cecily Nipper. 
Alan Peterson, North Dakota Association of the Blind, and I'd like to sell you a raffle ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie Spoon, Orlando, Florida. Zelda Gebhardt, Edgeley, North Dakota. Greg Wansnyder, a.k.a. Triple G, Waukesha, Wisconsin. Woo! Kristen Kelly, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Jim, we hear you. Hello. Jim Crott, I'm here. Quick extra, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. Janet Dickelman, ACB Convention Coordinator. Wanda Willaford, New Jersey. Wanda. Andy Arvidsson, Anacortes, Washington. (laughs) Judy Brown, Shoreline, Washington, Washington Council of the Blind. Yay, Judy. (laughs) Doreen Cornwell, Seattle, Washington, um, Washington Council of the Blind. Yay, Doreen. Advocates Committee. Karen Campbell, Springfield, Illinois. Uh, co-chair staffing committee. Byron Lee, Blind Pride International, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Dan Simple from God's Country, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. <laughs> hey, Eau Claire. Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Who was before Susan? Oh, I thought there was somebody in between. Okay. Marisa Musemich, Sterling Heights, Michigan. Danette Dixon, Linwood, Washington. Yay! <laughs> Merrill Sector, Windsor Mill, Maryland. Terry Suarez, a.k.a. Traveling Terry, and get up and get moving. Woo-hoo! Claremont, Florida. Uh, Beverly Thompson, Windsor Mill, Maryland. Okay. Thank you so much, Sharon. And... Uh, I'm not sure that uh, this is the most attended board meeting we have, but with the size of this room, it's the largest ACV <laughs> board of directors meeting I think we've had in a long time. So. Yes, welcome everybody. Yes. Dan? Yes, for those that are on Zoom, uh, Kenneth asked if we could give applause to our J.P. Morgan Chase fellows and DKM first-timers who are here in attendance. So that was the applause. And Kim, we recognize you. uh, Thank you. I just wanted to let you know that I was here because I missed the roll call. I couldn't unmute. Thank you very much. And I wish I were there. Thanks, Kim. Thank you, Kim. All right. So next on the agenda is the review and approval of the agenda. So starting from the top, uh, one is roll call. President Dan Spoon, excuse me, not roll call, call to order. Uh, Two is roll call and introduction of guests, uh, Denise Colley, secretary. Three is review and approval of the agenda, Dan Spoon. 
Four is review and approval of our ACP Board of Directors meeting minutes. We have two to approve this time. The first is the April 1st uh, telephonic meeting that we had to decide whether we were going to do a hybrid or virtual only convention. And then the second is the May 19th special Board of uh, Directors meeting to discuss the code of conduct processes. Uh, then item number five is our mission moment with Eric and Dan. We're going to uh, recognize and give applause for our hybrid uh, convention broadcast team that's gotten together and met for at least the last 90 days to help pull all this together. Uh, six is our consent agenda. There are six items under the consent agenda. A is our financial 2022 year-to-date financial uh, reports from uh, uh, Nancy Marks Becker, our CFO. B is our uh, Braille Forum Editor's Report from Sharon Levering. C is our Advocacy Update Report from Clark Rackpole. D is our Resource Development Report and Introduction from Bill Reeder. We'll talk to you a little bit more about Bill in just a moment. E is our membership services report from Cindy Hollis. And F is our executive report uh, concentrating on employee status and revenue growth from Eric Bridges. Seven is our convention report from Janet Dickelman, uh, con convention committee chair. Eight is president's report. We've got six items under that. A is just, uh, some of these are just announcements, but that we will uh, continue our uh, resolutions task force now 3.0 and voting task force 3.0 ad hoc committees with uh, Ray Campbell and Pat Sheehan in the chair positions. B is announced the formation of an ACB media support committee uh, for ACB media. Uh, similar to what we're doing for the uh, community uh, with the community support committee. C, I uh, want feedback from the board, but plans are to create an, uh, a mental health and wellness committee. On the agenda, I have mental health awareness committee, but the official name will be mental health and wellness committee. D is just a thanking of the board for participation in the auction from the uh, auction chair. E is uh, talking about the ACB leadership list and some monitoring procedures we're going to put in place for that list. That'll be Deb and Dan. And then F is just a reminder that our next telephonic board meeting, so everybody can kind of put it on their calendars, will be Wednesday, August 31st. Try to do these the fifth whatever's of the month to give everybody uh, time where they don't conflict with, with other scheduled meetings. Uh, nine is uh, lunch break. Uh, well, it may lunch breaks a little optional as we move it around. We're going to plan on having lunch around 1230. Uh, the board and staff will have a lunch brought in. There's no executive meeting, so the doors won't close, but we will take about a half hour to eat and people are, uh, you know, guests are, are willing to, you know, obviously available to go and move wherever they wish during that point in time. Then we'll come back and uh, 10 is our staff reports. A is from our executive director, Eric Bridges. B is from our advocacy director, Clark Rackful. C is from our uh, interim resource uh, 
consultant, Bill Reeder. D is from our membership, excuse me, um, I always mess on this a little bit, but management of membership engagement, Cindy Hollis. And then E is our CFO, uh, Nancy Marks Becker. Then we'll move on to 11, which is our 2022 year-to-date financial narrative, and that's from David Trott, ACB Treasurer. 12 is a, a report out and hopefully a review and approval of a, uh, of a process for our uh, ACB Code of Conduct uh, process procedure, and that's Pat Sheehan, Board Director, David Trott, Treasurer, and Jeff Tom, Board Director, who are all part of the ad hoc committee we formed coming out of the May 19th. Uh, board special board meeting. Uh, 13 is report from the Board of Publications with Penny Reader, BOP Director. 14 is uh, not for a vote today, but just a discussion on an ACB media and affiliates engagement policy. I think it's time that we put something formal in place in that area. I'd like to do that uh, in the fall board meeting, but I'd like us to begin the conversation and socialize it over the next three months. 15 is review and approval of a record retention policy that we work very hard with. That's Clark Rackpole, Deb Cook-Lewis, uh, with advice from Matt Hanley from our advisory board. Uh, 16, want to have a little conversation. We've had a lot through our committee chairs meeting and our president's meeting and our leadership and conversation list on the length of the convention and love to get feedback from the board and guests on what we could do and begin that discussion of how do we get the convention back to a more reasonable length of time. 17 is officer committee reports as needed and 18 is adjourned. So do I have a motion to approve the agenda? All right, Chris moved and Donna seconded the approval of the agenda. Any discussion? Dan, this is Doug. Hi, Doug. Yes. Good morning. Um, just a question. So the consent, uh, the consent reports are up in somewhere, you know, near the top of the of the agenda, and then later the staff reports. How are those two things different? Because it seems like the same people. Well, it is the same people, and so, well, mostly the same people, but the idea is to send the detailed reports ahead of time, and then during the staff report section, it'll be just some highlights, and then to answer any questions. Thank or you. have discussion on particular points, but it's not to regurgitate the entire report that was sent out again, if that helps any. You good, Doug? Yeah, good. Thank you. Okay. All right, and I want to add, uh, before I ask for the approval, approval I do, we, we will have a little time before we approve the consent agenda. Eric and I want to share a little bit around Bill and, and what's going on there, uh, just to give you a heads up on that. So, All right, uh, we've had a motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? All right, I'm going to now turn it over to Denise Colley for the approval, review and approval of our meeting minutes. Denise. All right, the minutes were sent out. Um, so I first would entertain a motion to approve the April 1st, 2022 telephonic board meeting. 
Ray Campbell moved. Do we have a second? Yeah, David second. And David Trott seconded. Okay, just want to make sure everybody hears it on Zoom. Yeah. Okay. Any oh you're so all you in favor of the motion signify by saying no. maybe any discussion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Any discussion? I'm sorry. <laughs> any discussion on those minutes? Okay, so it's been moved and seconded to accept the April first, twenty twenty two minutes. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Motion carried. Second is the approval of the May 19th uh, telephonic special board meeting that we had. Uh, I would entertain a motion to accept those minutes. Chris moved, moved. and uh, Donna moved and Chris seconded. I'm going to switch it around <laughs> this time. Yeah. Okay. okay. All, right. All right. Any discussion? Hearing none, all in favor of the motion, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carried. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Madam Secretary. Now we're going to move on to item number five in the agenda. This is one of my favorite parts of the board meeting. I love this. This is our mission moment. I really want to thank uh, so much uh, a group. Uh, it's 10 or 11 just amazing individuals who've been getting uh, together on a weekly basis every Wednesday for the last 90 days to come together and work with our different committees to plan our first ever hybrid uh, ACB conference and convention. So just special thanks and shout out to Rick Morin, to Deb Cook-Lewis, to Jeff Bishop, uh, to staff members, Eric Bridges, Nancy Marks-Becker, Kelly Gass, Cindy Hollis, and I know I'm going to, uh, Larry Gassman, and who am I? I'm not forgetting some. Uh-huh. Oh, wait, Janet Dickelman, who's not a member of her staff, but obviously a huge portion of this, and JoLynn Bailey-Page. So I want to thank everybody uh, who just has gotten together. I, Larry was a first-timer in this group, and so I'll tell on him a little bit. When we started 90 days ago, he looked at the list and said, you guys got to be kidding. There's no way we're going to get all this done, <laughs> but we did. And so I just want to thank everybody for just tireless, tireless efforts, as well as the convention committee, the convention program committee, the convention steering committee, countless volunteers, committees in general, who put the program together, our special interest affiliates, our, our vendors and sponsors, it truly is uh, an amazing undertaking. I, I can't say enough of the effort that everybody has put in place to do this. Again, I'll ask everybody's patience. We've never done a hybrid convention before, so we're learning each and every day. Uh, but uh, we will get through it. It will be a fantastic convention. And I just can't thank Rick and, and team enough. Uh, uh, Rick, Deb, Jeff, all this crowd has just done an, and staff has done amazing, amazing work. So I'm going to turn it over to Eric to add a few words. Well, good morning. It's, it's nice to be uh, with one another. It's been, been nice to, to bump into folks in the hall and say hi and get lost with folks in the hall. Uh, again, feels normal. Uh, yeah, this has, been, uh, this has been quite a ride. Uh, once we made the determination that we were going to do a hybrid event, 
uh, putting all of this uh, together, meeting Wednesday mornings at, at 9 Eastern, also known as 6 Pacific, for Deb and Jeff and Larry and Joe Lynn and, um, you know, the, the three of our five uh, core values stick out when I think of what has gone on. Uh, flexibility, there's had to be an enormous amount of flexibility uh, and an, uh, a lot of collaboration amongst the various components, uh, members working with staff, staff working with members, and then initiative um, in order to make sure that we were meeting the milestones um, that were set forth in all of the planning so that we could hold this event. Um, it, it's been... I don't know that there's another blindness organization that has uh, done an event like this that is uh, interactive hybrid. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna see how all this goes. Uh, if there are things that happen that we didn't intend to have happen, which there will be, uh, wasn't that we didn't plan. Uh, it, stuff happens. I think is the same, right? Um, but other than that, I'd just like to uh, like to thank my my team, uh, some of whom I ha this will be the first time I get to meet them, if you can believe that in person. Uh, not just me, but a lot of members of our team have not met one another over the last couple of years. So there have been new hires uh, during this time. Um, folks in the in the registration, I haven't I haven't met Chris Sawyer and Julie Fisher in person yet. Haven't met Colby Garrison yet in person, right? So uh, people that we work with pretty closely, we haven't met in person. Um, so anyway, just want to uh, want to thank Dan for his leadership through all of this, and I'll hand it back to you. All right, Rick Moore, you're on the spot, buddy. We want to hear a few words about from you and Deb and in uh, team, and uh, you know, give everybody a little understanding of what you guys have gone through to pull all this together because it's it's really been remarkable and we really, really appreciate it. Okay. Rick's standing up. He's getting ready. We've got two. So uh hey everybody, how you how y'all doing? Hope everybody have a good flight. Yeah. Um <laughs> what we've been through. Um you know, it was interesting. Dan, uh, Eric talked about uh, not too many blindness organizations. I sat down with the AV people here, and they do. I mean, this venue does things like Jason Aldean concerts and all kinds of stuff. And I, I've asked, I asked them, uh, Charlie Wagner is the guy's name. I said, you know, what are your hybrids been like? And he said, well, I'll be honest with you. He said, all the hybrids that we've done, except for a couple, uh, have been one way. They've not been interactive. People that have tried the interactive stuff in the past, you know, just, you know, it, 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 it's kind of, re, you know, kind of settling in on, on the one way stuff. But he said, you know, you guys are really doing something very, very ambitious. And we're very impressed with what you're doing. Um, you know, we're using some techniques that they're seeing uh, for the first time being used and, and all of that kind of stuff. So, we're real proud about the whole thing. Real proud about the team. Everybody's just worked uh, incredibly well together. Um, <laughs> uh, nervous. Yeah, we're nervous uh, for sure. Uh, but uh, we'll be a lot less nervous when we get into the, uh, into the ballroom and everything is working there. But 
obviously the hybrid's working well in this room today, so we're happy about that. And uh, thanks for everybody's patience. Um, and, and most of all, thanks for everybody's support. Uh, uh, you know, ACB Media has gotten so much support uh, of late, of recently, and, and actually for a long time, but we, we really, really appreciate uh, all the support y'all are giving us. So thank you very, very much for that. Deb, did you want to say anything? Where are you? Oh, you're looking for me. Yeah. I, I'm hearing everything in double, so I don't hear anything at all because I'm hearing the Zoom. So, <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit like that. So, you know, I, I just wanted to share that my experience about talking to somebody about doing one of these is very similar to uh, the sharing Rick had. While I was flying to Omaha, I sat next to a great guy who lives here in the area and he asked what I was coming for. And I said, and, and then he, he said, you know, how are you all coming back? And I said, well, we're going to come back in hybrid. And he said, well, what does your hybrid look like? And I said, and turns out that he actually manages um, events like, like this and was very interested also and had a lot of the same things to say that uh, Rick's person did, which is that, um, you know, these don't necessarily work. So, um, in fact, he's, he's really, it, it's hard to talk him into doing it. Um, and, and so he's actually going to follow up with me after it's over to see if I feel the same way or if I still feel okay about it. And, and I guess all I would say is um, we have the heart to make it work. There are things that are going to go wrong. There are things that are frustrating. Um, when you ask us for something to be different, like something to work that's not, um, just please do accept that we have the best intent and we made a lot of plans. Now, some of those plans will go awry. And so um, we have some other plans for if they do. And one of those is cut and run. So if you push too hard, we're out of here. <laughs> um, but seriously, um, it's it's been really fun to to pull this stuff together and to sort of see it work and to walk in here this morning and and have Jeff loudly being able to play the newspaper into the system was actually annoying to some people, but was to me was like, yeah, that's that's what it's supposed to do when you do that. So I I just really am so glad that you're here, whether you're here uh, virtually or you're here. Um, you know, in the hybrid form. And we do want your feedback. We do need to hear from you when something is going wrong. But remember that there are things we'll be able to fix just by a word from you that you need it fixed. And there are some things that we'll be fixing next year. So <laughs> you just may as well deal. And we'll try to be really straight with you about that. But please do let me know with respect to the hybrid things, if there is uh, in the rooms, in the breakouts, if there's something that is not working for you. And you can also let us know if something is, but um, you know, it's, we're just glad to be doing it. I think I already have the 10,000 steps. You might want to work from the inside. It might be easier. Just a, 
Yes, and on the other side, I'm serious. It might be easier to get to us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nancy's moving to the inside. For those on Zoom, the room is uh, the board table is set up like a U. So Nancy's going to actually move to the inside of the U, so she can get the mic from one of us a little easier than going around the outside perimeter. All right. So Rick, Deb, uh, Jeff, uh, Janet, staff. I want to hear everybody. Let's give everybody a big hip, hip, hooray. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for all your hard, hard work. All right. Item number six is our consent agenda. Like I said, before we vote on it, uh, I do want to give uh, have a little opportunity for Eric and I to update you uh, with uh, Bill Reeder and our proposal in that particular area as our interim uh, resource development, uh, I'll say consultant. Uh, so at this point in time, uh, again, review the consent agenda. A was our financial reports year-to-date for 2022 from Nancy Marks Becker. B was our editor's report. Uh, C was our uh, from Sharon Lovering. C was our uh, advocacy report from Clark Rockfall. Uh, D is our um, resource development and introduction uh, message from Bill Reeder. E is... Um, the membership services report from Cindy Hollis and F is executive director report on, uh, uh, excuse me, on employees and revenue growth from Eric. So that's our consent agenda. Uh, at this point, I want to talk a little bit about Bill uh, and just say that uh, this was, as you know, uh, Tony left and took a new position. Uh, his last day was June 10th. Uh, and Eric and I had conversations that we felt like we needed to have a resource development presence. Revenue and fundraising is so critical to this organization at this particular juncture in our growth. And we felt we had an opportunity with someone in Bill Reeder who has served on our advisory board for the last year and a half. Uh, Bill comes to us with 30 plus years of development and fundraising experience. He actually teaches the curriculum at George Mason University. He just retired uh, a week ago and is now available. Uh, and he's been helping us, uh, you know, uh, obviously an advisory board uh, pro bono here for, uh, for a period of time, helping do some training and teaching for Tony. But what for the last six weeks, Eric, Bill has come over and had lunch with Eric every Tuesday and they've called me in and we've had discussions with Bill and uh, we have kind of made a proposal to him last week and had some discussions on it. And I think we've reached a very, a very good position for ACB and, you know, gives Bill a little compensation, but a lot of this is truly pro bono, but I think puts us in a position to really, move forward with our development uh, position and also give us uh, someone with a lot of expertise during the transition. And also when we hire a new development director, gives us somebody to really help to train that person. So I'll turn it over to Eric and get his thought. That was pretty comprehensive, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Bill, Bill is somebody that that we've come to know over the last three years. Uh, Jolynn, uh, 
worked for Bill at George Mason University and brought him to our attention and sat, met with him a few times, and he agreed to join our advisory board. So over the last three years, he's gotten a really good understanding uh, base level of who we are, what we're about, and, uh, you know, why we should matter to potential donors, donors of all stripes. So uh, when Tony came to me and announced, you know, his resignation, uh, we reached out, I reached out to Bill and we began meeting, as Dan said, on a weekly basis to, to um, sort of figure out the path forward. The, the other component, which is in my executive director's report, is that we are going to decouple communications from development um, and have the development function obviously work in tandem with communications, but not have it be, uh, you know, a, it, its own department, but rather to have a, a director of development and a manager of communications, uh, both reporting to me uh, and when, when those positions are filled. So, Yes, it is our intent to have a director of development uh, this, you know, hopefully early this fall, but to bring Bill on um, to do the sorts of things that he uh, lays out in, in his report uh, and, and really the, the, the cost of this um, is, is really very low. I believe it's uh, somewhere in the, the neighborhood of uh, $13,000 for the rest of the year and much of that is capped at 10 hours a month uh, and anything that goes over 10 hours is pro bono. Um, that's what he's proposed. Um, he's already spent, I would say well over 10 hours uh, just in my office over the last month, month and a half. And we have not signed a contract. Please understand. Um, we wanted to bring this to you. Um, he will, he will help me identify uh, candidates and, assist in interviewing uh, qualified candidates for the director of development position, along with a myriad of other things that, that he has in his report. And uh, later on, uh, I'm going to invite him. He's uh, in Zoom right now. I'm going to invite him to, to talk with you all a little bit and also take questions. So um, would love it if, if uh, we could have his... Uh, you know, his engagement with us uh, approved by you all. Okay. Okay, I, I, David Trott moved and Jeff seconded to approve the contract position for Bill Reader. Um, I've, I've had some conversations with Eric and Dan about this and, you know, I know you've looked at the budget numbers and you say, why are we wanting to spend money? Well, this is an area in a time like ours right now where we don't have a development director and we get the opportunity not only to have a temporary, uh, person in that position, but we have the opportunity to have a wealth of experience folks that we really couldn't afford if he charged us the real uh, worth of his time. So I, I'm just asking you to join with me today 
and and helping ACB to move forward financially, we need Bill on board. Oh, 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 okay, 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 we're good. Okay, all right. So Dave has moved, and uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff, Jeff, Tom has seconded. Are, is there any discussion on the motion? All right, hearing none. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed. All right. Motion carries. Thank you, thank you, David. Thank you, Jeff, and thank you, Bill. But Bill is a wonderful guy, and you will really enjoy getting to meet him a little bit later. Uh, welcome aboard. Uh, now I need a motion to go ahead and approve the consent agenda, which is all the reports that were mailed out ahead of to the to, Ray moves. Do I have a second? And Chris Bell seconds. Ray moves. Chris seconds. Any discussion on the consent agenda? Hearing no discussion on the consent agenda. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. And again, thank you to the staff for those excellent reports. I think it really helps move our board meeting along. And Eric and team, thank you so much. Yes, David. Hold on. We got uh, David asking for a motion. Go ahead, Nancy. Hi, is the inside working out better, Nancy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <Any>? Yes. <laughs> We, we are going to be looking at some policies and procedures today. And if they're passed, we need some, some clarity on when things will take effect. So I thought to keep things straight where we could move forward, we tend to have to look back sometime at when we did something and that kind of thing. So what I would move is that any policies and procedures that we pass today become effective immediately. Okay, David, and that, and I think that's mainly around, uh, well, yeah, we've got a few different items there. Yeah, we can highlight that, but you're saying any, uh, any policies we review and officially approve go into effect as of July 1st. Yeah. Policies or procedures. Okay, Jeff asked to make a, we had a second from, from Connie, and Jeff asked for a, a question. My friendly amendment, hopefully, is unless explicitly stated in a motion to the contrary. I mean, if there's something. You know, sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Any discussion on David's motion? And Connie second. All right. Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Opposed? Aye. All right. Thank you, David. All right, now we'll move on to item number seven, which is our convention report. Janet, have we got a convention going on? Uh, from Janet Dickelman, our convention chair. Janet, do you need a, a mic stand or anything? Or are you good? Got it. You got it? Okay. Oops, am I on? Oh. Okay. <laughs> Just trying to get <laughs> All right, can you hear me? Yes. All right. Not real well. Well, here, there. If I move the mic stand closer, that might actually help. Uh, yes, we do have a convention going on. You know, when we went from in-person to hybrid or to virtual, I said, oh, no, we can't do this. But we did. And when we went to hybrid, I said, oh, I don't know about doing this, but we're doing it. And this morning, 
I will say that this morning when I had breakfast with uh, Rick and Deb and Larry, as Deb said, we did hatch our plan for disappearing in mass, but we decided we're not really going to do that. But, you know, it is an option. No, um, I know that this is, first of all, as far as those of you who are here in the room, I've heard several people say, wow, this is a really big room and it is a big room. But when in, in order to have hybrid sessions, we need to have meeting rooms that are going to accommodate the number of people that we have in the sessions. So, and we really didn't know how many people we were going to have in any of our sessions because we set these rooms up quite a long time ago. So we just, I did the best I could as far as room sizes are concerned. So hopefully every, and this is a good way, especially when these rooms are all set in rounds for our other functions, there will be ample room for people to move around and ample room for people to sit and be distanced. So hopefully um, this will work out for everyone. I hope, as Rick said, that everybody had a good flight. I know we've had some delays. I know, you know, there's been a lot of issues getting ready for this convention. But now that we are started, I think it's going to be a wonderful convention. Um, as far as an official report, I was sitting over there on the spectator side and I said, oh, I don't really have a report per se, but things are going really well. We have about 500 people here in Omaha with us and a large number of people attending virtually via the Zoom platform and listening on ACB Media. I know there's been some questions and there will be some discussion later on. I won't be able to stay for it, but about the length of the convention. And that was one of these things that we discussed in order to make everything um, accessible for our affiliates and for everyone we did and for the voting at the end of the convention we did have to move things around a little bit whether this is going to be you know the normal probably not but this year everything is kind of experimental for those of you who have sent me emails i'm sorry i have had some connectivity issues so if i haven't gotten back to you right away i um, apologize the best way to reach me is to call or text me at this point. I have actually been trying to do some email on my dreaded iPhone, but now, now I have, now I have a, 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 have a secret weapon. I have Connie Sims who I have, <laughs> who turns voiceover off and helps me respond to my emails. <laughs> so that's, that's helping quite a bit. Um, as far as we will be having, for those of you um, involved in um, our fall board meeting planning, our fall board meeting in Schaumburg will be October 22nd. Um, I know things have been a little, the hotel and convention center are doing the best they can as far as, you know, assisting people. I noticed last night downstairs and this morning at breakfast, Instead of having people order up at the line, they are actually coming to the tables to take orders. So I think they determined that that does work better with our group. So I'm happy to see that. Um, in, in COVID times, it's just a little, things are a little different as far as the number of staff and what's, who's available. And um, the same thing with volunteers. We are working diligently. Sally is working you know, to get as many volunteers as possible. 
We had a couple, some volunteers yesterday who weren't able to join us because they ended up getting COVID. So, you know, it's just been, been a little crazy. And obviously we don't want them here if they have, have COVID. So we are doing the best we can with our volunteers. Tomorrow our exhibit hall opens and uh, Michael is working right now getting with the decorator, getting all the exhibit booths set up. So the exhibit hall is downstairs on the first floor of the convention center. All of our hybrid rooms, of course, are over here along with general sessions. And then we do have some social events and a few other things over at the Hilton. And of course, our banquet will be there. Um, I guess what I will do, if it's all right with you, Mr. President, is entertain any questions. Most certainly, Janet. Any right. questions for Janet? Like, where and where are the restrooms? No, I I, I, <laughs> I should have told everybody that. But there's two banks of restrooms uh, down the, the hallway where, where this particular board meeting is. So, so if you go out and go left and you go past room 205, there's men's and restroom, women's restrooms down there. And if you go out and go right and go past room 212, there's men and restrooms there. So. so there's there's a good amount of restrooms up here. Yeah. Raised hand. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, Janet, uh, uh, just for those that are here, uh, coming from the hotel to the convention center, this looks like one of those skywalks that on each side are those big poles that, um, you could run into. So just try to stay, don't get right on the side on each side. It looks like there's those big, tall poles there. Like there are a lot of sky bridges. So just, just be mindful of that. Stay in the center. Good yeah, stay in the middle. Yeah, that's if you can. That's good. Thanks, and, and you're going to get your exercise because it's all uphill from the hotel to the convention center. So it's a pretty good. It's a gentle ride. It's a great. It's, it's great for gent- the get up and get moving people. It, yes, it's downhill going back. Right. And it's it's a gentle slope, no, I call it. Uh, thank you, uh, Janet or, or Mr. President. Uh, is there uh, water or other non-alcoholic <laughs> liquid refreshments available for uh, board? What? I am going to check on that as soon as I'm done here and leave the boardroom, Chris, because there was supposed to be a water station. So I am going to check on it. When I realized there wasn't, it was too late for me to do anything okay. about it right now. But yes, I will. And for those of you, there will be, I believe, iced tea and water at, served at lunch. But I'll check on water for right now. Okay, so. Well, I was told that you were the host. No, I was. Yeah, I was the host for a little while, but I'm actually trying to work and and listen, of course, the board meeting, but I'm trying to work and I couldn't do all of it because there's a huge delay um, in the Zoom. So when I was hearing both plus my work, it was going crazy. So uh, Diane Scalzi is here with us this morning and uh, Katie Lear will be with us 
here in the afternoon. And so when you want to interact with your audience, you have a few panel members from the board, but you do have some board members who are on the panel um, and some staff, I'm sorry, who are actually in the audience. So Diane will be watching for their hands and she will indicate to you if there are any, but you can also check with her to uh, see if there are, and she will help you with that. Thank you. To, to answer Chris's question about water, I'm not sure about here in the convention center, but in the lobby of the Hilton Hotel, in between the front doors and the Starbucks, there is a water station where you can, it has one of those bottle fill water fountains there. We do have a hand raised. And it's Penny Reader. Hi, can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, I'm going to ask a question which a couple people who knew I would be coming to the board meeting asked me, and I don't have an answer. And that question is, for people who are at the convention, how will ACB inform them if, uh, if, if other people who are there get COVID? Um, thank you. I think that's pretty much summarizes my question. Okay, of course, we're all sitting here very quietly going, hmm. Uh, Dan, I'm turning this over to you. You're the president. I'm just the lowly convention I was, And I may need some clarification from you, Penny. So are you saying if somebody tests positive for COVID while they're at the convention, how are you going to let everybody else know that that happened is that was that your question that was my question because i know at other uh events for instance the afb conference which was held about six weeks ago um a lot of people came several people got covid and all the attendees were sent email uh to let them know so that they could decide what to do well, you know whether or not to stay or how to protect themselves so that was my question Okay, I, um, and my understanding, and in, in at least at that particular event, they weren't sent names. They were just they were just yeah. They weren't sent names. They just said like three that, people. That somebody had tested positive. Right, right. Well, it's, we do have email contact for everyone who is at the convention. So I think what we will do is we'll probably have a quick discussion off list as to how we're going to do that. But we I. I suppose there isn't an issue or a reason why we couldn't send out an email if we determine that's what we're going to do to everyone who is in attendance, letting them know. Um, and, and I think if somebody is starting to feel bad and does test positive, I would, they, they, I would hope they would have the responsibility to let those know that they've been in contact with. And to quarantine. And to quarantine, for sure. Yeah. Thank you both very much. I appreciate the answer. And so will the people who asked me to ask the questions. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Penny. All right. Any other questions for Janet? Um, we do have, we do have, um, I thought Jennifer Bowling had her hand up. Um, let me look here. Yeah, she does. Should I allow her to talk? 
shall I allow Jennifer Bowling to talk? Ah. Uh. Can everyone hear me? We can. Okay, uh, Jennifer Bowling has her hand raised. Um, Dan give... said that was fine, Diane. Dan said that was fine. So go ahead okay. and allow her to speak. Thank you. Okay. Can you hear me? We can. Okay, I just have a request for those in person. Um, when they speak, when they speaking in the microphone, um, I I'm having difficulty hearing some of you. So if you could speak uh, closer, that would be more helpful. And you guys are doing your best. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. I have someone out here in the audience. Okay, uh, similar, I guess, to the COVID uh, concern, um, someone brought up if there's a safety concern with the hotel. Janet, do you have any idea, like, how we would know, like, is there a text um, system or could you, could you find that out just because sometimes things happen and. Okay, so you're, you're asking if there is a hotel emergency yes yes i believe and i'm not sure on this i can find out but i believe in most hotels they do have a way of contacting all of the guests i think they probably have some kind of a pa announcement that you would hear in your room or throughout the hotel such as if there were a fire emergency or a medical emergency you know that type of thing is that what you're asking yeah, I believe most hotels do have, similar to if there's a tornado warning or a fire drill, they do have the ability to announce it throughout the hotel. Jeff, did you? Okay. Thank you. So um, schools and other entities are, you know, have been sending out very simple, short messages. You know, there has been someone who has tested positive in the school or, you know, at the convention or whatever. Um, if you, if you feel that you have any, um, possibility of, you know, contracting COVID, you get tested or whatever. So it doesn't need to be anything at length. Um, an email sent out to all the convention attendees, I don't think, but it can just be well, very short and general. And I really hope that, that you, you, you folks will follow through on that. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. I see no more hands. Zoom right. host, do we have any other hands? All right. Well, thank you no very hands. much. Do I have a motion to approve the convention report? Ray Campbell has moved. Do I have a second? Donna Brown. Thank you, Donna. All right. Ray has moved and Donna has second. Any questions or discussion on the convention report? Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? All right. Now we're going to Th move. Yep. Thank you, yes. Mr. President. Thank I'm you so much, to, I'm going to be leaving the room so I can attend to my, I'm sure, 
many ringing phone calls. All right, and you and, and and you'll be bringing in jugs of water momentarily, Ina. All right, thank you. All right, all right. Now, number eight on our agenda is the president's report. Uh, we've got six items underneath the president's report. A is uh, this is getting to be a consistent uh, theme, right, Ray and Patrick? But. Um, and we'll talk about this a little bit later uh, when we talk about the length of the convention, but it's become very clear that we still have work to do in the area of resolutions and with the voting task force. So I spoke to both Ray and Patrick and asked if they would continue to serve as chairs of those committees for one more year. I'm hoping by, I'm hoping there won't be a 4.0, but you never know. <laughs> We're, we're, we're adjusting and changing, and I think really doing a good job of adapting uh, in this new environment. So um, just want to make sure everybody realizes that we will continue those two ad hoc uh, committees for one more year, the Voting Task Force Committee, uh, calling it 3.0, and the Resolutions Task Force. Um, so please contact Ray or Patrick or myself. Uh, I know many of you are already involved in one or both of those committees, and we'll probably keep the core the same, but there's always some opportunity. Some people want to roll off and some new people may roll on, but wanted to make, make you aware of that. Uh, second, uh, we're going to, um, president's going to go ahead and form an ACB media support committee. So very similar to what we did last October uh, for the community where we formed a community support committee. Uh, that's headed by Lucy Edmonds. Uh, we're going to try to do that. We will do the same thing for the ACB media uh, and form an ACB media support committee. Uh, at this point in time, I haven't uh, decided on a chair of that committee and, and Rick as the staff lead and I will be working to, to discuss this, but I just wanted the board to be aware that, you know, you won't be surprised if you see the formation of that committee here over the next uh, month or two. Yes, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. Jeff Bishop has asked for the mic. Hold. Oh, excuse me, Jeff Tom has asked for the mic. Sorry, sorry, Jeff Bishop. Jeff Tom has asked for the mic. Can you just expand a little bit on what the goals of this committee are? I'm, I'm all not opposed to it at all. I just want to hear sure. a little bit more about it. Um, yeah, and we could, and, and a little bit later, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, a proposed policy that, that's really kind of the first of, I think, several that will get developed uh, through this committee and brought to the board. Uh, but the idea is to kind of, as, as ACB media has transitioned from ACB radio and really grown and developed to the ACB media network over the last year or two, and they're at just a different level of importance to this organization, it, 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 they're basically linked together. We, we can't do conventions and D.C. leadership conferences and, and state conventions really hardly anymore without support of ACB media. And so... Uh, there's a need uh, now that we have a full-time ACB media technical manager and Rick and uh, consultant and Larry that we need to continue to get feedback and support from our affiliates, from our committees, 
Uh, so I'm looking for members of both of those organizations to serve on this as well as some board members where we really develop a set of guidelines and policies like we've done on the community side. We're trying to train and bring on many additional broadcasters for our streams. You know, we have 10, 10 network stations that we're supporting, plus lots and lots of podcasting and live events. So there's just a lot of growth in this area. And like anything else, as it grows, I think it needs um, more feedback from our members and our affiliates around it, as well as those that are actively involved in it day in and day out. And hopefully the outcome of that will be uh, a series of more well-defined policies and procedures. So we, Thank you. So we're not in the dark. Yeah. Okay. Good. Any other questions? All right. C, and Jeff, keep the mic because you and Chris are close. You all probably will have some comments related to this. But uh, C is uh, we have had multiple discussions uh, with the Advocacy Steering Committee as well as a, a group of members of ACB uh, that over the last year have formed a group called the Mental Health and Wellness Working Group uh, to talk about formalizing a mental health and wellness committee uh, inside of the American Council of the Blind. It would re the chair would report to our advocacy steering committee. Uh, and we've had conversations from the advocacy with the advocacy steering committee who recommended that we move forward with this um, uh, resolution that's also been put in place that kind of defines, uh, you know, getting, getting ACB uh, really an appropriate time moving forward with a committee that's focused on mental health and wellness with the idea that uh, at least in the beginning, what we what kind of defined what it will be and what it will not be. So what it will be is information, referral, education, and advocacy. So really focusing on the areas of mental health uh, where we can, you know, do a lot of valuable work to help our members in the, in the larger blind and low vision community. But at the same time, in the proposed resolutions, there's some language about what it will not be. So we're not, you're not going to be, you know, uh, trying to be therapists and counselors and these type of things, which are not what ACB is skilled at doing. So uh, I first, I think I'll hand it over to Chris Bell, who was part of that working uh, group to provide some feedback. And then uh, Jeff and Jeff Tom from the Advocacy Steering Committee. Thank you, Mr. President. So in 2021, a resolution was passed by the board uh, that called on ACB to make mental health and well-being a priority. And it assigned the task of planning uh, to implement that to the advocacy steering committee. And uh, Nothing, I think, really happened from them. So a group of us who were interested in the intersection of blindness and mental health got together at the request of uh, numerous uh, members of the ACB community. And uh, we started to try to figure out what to do. And I think it's fair to say that uh, 
we can talk about a priority all we want, but unless there is a structure to make something a priority, uh, nothing will happen. So for example, uh, I don't think we would have made as much progress in diversity in various areas that we worked without the creation of a multi multicultural affairs committee. So it seemed to us that uh, we needed to have a committee that would be uh, of interested people that would be uh, willing to work in areas of education and referral and uh, advocacy without at the same time crossing the line of providing diagnosis, therapy, treatment, counseling, whatever you want to call it, that really would require a professional, which none of us are, except we actually, we do have a professional, uh, Pam Shaw is a licensed clinical social worker, uh, and we have some other people in, in ACB. So that was the genesis of having a committee and uh, we did also uh, promote a resolution, a copy of which you have, uh, the board has received, which if we establish a committee, uh, if the board establishes a committee, then we will withdraw the resolution. Um, but, uh, but that's the genesis of it. And I'll pass this either to Jeff or anybody else. Whoever. So I'm not going to add too much more, but I, I just want to say that, you know, even pre-COVID, mental health was clearly becoming a cause celeb. And, and certainly um, with the advent of the pandemic, it has become even a, a greater priority in the public at large. And, and, it, and it should have been a priority within our community long ago. And I am extremely glad that we are beginning to take those steps in ACB I think we have a lot of work to do at the state level um, and at the federal level to get more money specifically targeted to people with vision loss. And I hope that this committee is a good first step to help us in these advocacy efforts. Thank you. All right. And uh, as ACB president, I am very um, willing, able, and, uh, and wanting to move forward with the formation of this mental health and wellness committee, uh, giving given kind of the boundaries that uh, Chris has really laid out and, and put forward in the resolution. So I'm, I'm, I'm all for moving ahead and doing this. I just wanted to, uh, you know, it's a journey we're all taking together here. So I wanted to make sure that the board supports these efforts. So don't know that I need an official motion or Okay, well, maybe we do. All right, so Chris has moved that we move forward with the formation of a mental health and wellness committee. Do I have a second? And Denise seconds? Yes, Ray. Okay, go ahead, Ray. Um, no, I thank you, Mr. President. I, I fully support this. Um, definitely think it's a good idea. I think having the SASE committee is a good precedent for um, addressing you know people in our community who have other needs and um, you know that intersect. Um, the only thing I would like to ask this committee is the documents that we saw uh, that were forwarded to the board. 
to kind of give some background uh, seemed a little short on details. So I'd like to see this committee come up with a set of uh, some defined goals and objectives that, um, that um, you know, over the next few years is some things that uh, you would uh, want to, uh, to do and at least, you know, present those to the board uh, so that we, at least we are aware of, uh, of those. I think uh, this is kind of a new area for us, I think. And, um, you know, we certainly want to see what, uh, what you're doing and, and provide input as I think we would with any committee. So, um, you know, just uh, put some detail, put some thoughts, put some thought around that and some detail around that. I think that would be great. All right. Thank you. Any other, anyone else? Connie's Connie. Thank you. I just want to echo what Ray had to say. Um, I, I, I am for this committee. I think it's a good thing. I just would like to see some more documentation, you know, and I just want to make sure when we do the education, the people who do the education are trained. I just feel that this is a good thing. Um, I do have the background with my massage um, training, I actually had to have the training and do some of that, and I did therapy. But so I think it's a great thing, but we have to make sure that when we talk about things, it's how we help. We can't always talk about our own experiences, but we can share things. But the education part is my concern of make sure that we have people who are trained and qualified and have the more documents what the committee plans on doing down the future, what their goals are. So basically what Ray had to say, but I think it is a good thing. I mean, mental health is a, is a huge concern. So um, there's all types and forms. So um, thank you for the information we did receive, but I would like some more. Thank you. Uh, we do have a hand raised by the way. Um, okay. I don't know. Is, if this it, is, is this a, a board member? Um, I don't know. It's a phone number. Uh, area code nine one six ending in five zero five. I I don't think that's a board member. So yeah. Okay. Chris Chris has his hand raised too. Do you want Chris to go first? Uh, well, the, we're not going to recognize the phone number because this is this okay. is board conversation at this point in time. Go, go ahead, Chris. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Um, I think that it's going to take some time to develop the level of detail that uh, the board may be looking for. And we will probably do that through the advocacy steering committee of which I believe this mental health and wellness committee will be a member. Um, but I'd also like to address uh, Connie's last comment about sharing personal experiences. One of the points of advocacy that I think is very important, speaking as someone who has been a consumer of mental health services for over 50 years, um, is in fact the sharing of our own experience, strength, and hope um, regarding mental illness. In other words, one of the issues we have to address is stigma. And if we're not willing to talk about it out of shame or for any other reasons, then we have a problem. There will be uh, at the convention a workshop 
that will include uh, some panelists uh, who will talk about their own experience, strength, and help, not from the standpoint of, oh, well, here's the kind of treatment you can get or you should consider or here, here are meds that I'm taking or whatever. But, uh, you know, what, what else can we talk about but our own experience? Um, this is, by the way, what we do in our 12-step meeting. Uh, it's the only thing we can talk about is our own experience, strength, and hope. So I want to be clear that that has to be part, from my perspective as a mental health consumer, of what does get talked about, but it has to be talked about in a way that has parameters and boundaries. Um, so that's really all I wanted to say. Thank you. Yep, Bob. I think Connie wants to speak, and was there anybody else? Deb and then Connie. Okay. Um, this is Deb. So I think there's a couple of different things going on here. The first issue that I sort of see is the board exploring whether or not it wants to have um, an activity in this area of mental health. And so I think it would be very helpful to the process for the board to determine if it feels that that's an appropriate activity for ACB to engage in and maybe a little guidance as to at what level, but but I think that could still be proposed. I have a lot of concerns about actually providing anything that might look like service. Um, we support all of our members, but I think that when we start talking about special training for people, we start potentially talking about liability, and I want to have a lot more exploration of that. But what I do think we ought to be figuring out is, A, is um, ACB interested uh, in the, bo the board interested to do this? And then uh, B, can Dan move forward to appoint a set of people to, to work on it? There is a group that has been independently working on this and is really diligent about that. But Dan does appoint the committees. So whether Dan... Uh, as president appoints everyone from that group or most of that group or some of that group or whatever, and whatever kinds of other expertise he would like to bring into that formation, that's, I think, the place where you then can can develop a plan. We, we don't usually ask our committees to come in with a three-year strategic plan or whatever, but we do kind of want them to come in with some goals. So if we if Dan can appoint an official working group that is going to work on putting together that it could be, um, you know, some combination of the people who've been working on this at the grassroots level and maybe some people experienced in developing committee roles kind of things. And they could then bring that back as a proposal fairly soon. It doesn't have to take months and years, but I, th I think that would be maybe the way that we would, um, that I would encourage us to kind of move it forward um, because I think it's hard for people to understand what we want or, you know, what, what is needed here. And then the board can decide, um, how far it's willing to go. But, um, you know, it, it, once that proposal is in place, but I think Dan needs the ability from the board to, uh, it seems to me to be able to move that forward and appoint and establish a group that works on it with the assumption that we are going to do something or if the board says we aren't. 
but if we are, it seems like that would be a good way to move it forward. Yeah, and my plan is form the committee and then have the committee come back with, you know, those boundaries. Yeah, yeah. So. Thank you. I do believe that, you know, we do have to advocate, you know, and, and share our own experiences, so don't get me wrong, but we do have to have a limit. We have to have those boundaries, like Chris said. So, again, I agree that maybe the committee comes back and gives us the idea of what's going on, but I think it comes down to the, the open communication and transparency that we all know, the board and then the membership, we need to understand what the committee's purpose, full purpose is going to be you know, what do they really want to accomplish? I mean, and, and I think that's what, I, for me, and I think maybe some others, is that we just want to know that what is the committee looking at doing? You know, what what is their goals? And, you know, how can we as a board support that and make sure that they're doing um, what they're supposed to be doing? Is Because, you know, it's, it's a member-run organization and we're here for the members. So we need to be open and honest with the members and they need to know what all the guidelines are too once we get them. Thank you. Thank you. At least my idea is that we're starting out with kind of what was laid out in the resolution language, which was that it's information, referral, education, and advocacy is the first phase. All right, any other discussion? Um, we have a, a raised hand. Again, I don't know if it's a board member. It's a phone number, area code 407, ending in 477. Is that, is that, uh, that, that may be Jim Crott, so let's, okay. Okay, I will uh, allow him to unmute. Uh, thank you. Um, I've got three real quick things uh, to say. Um, the most important is while I hear um, Connie's remarks and concerns and appreciate them very much, it's been two years since this resolution or a year since this resolution was adopted. It is critical that this organization act in this regard and get started, and I hate to see it derailed until yet another board meeting. I do commend the actions of Chris uh, and Jeff, Tom, and uh, hope that um, this board will go forward. The final thing I would say is to the extent that we do get into this area um, and develop something, um, I would urge our um, executive director and or staff to ensure that our liability insurance appropriately covers whatever could come out of this just in case. That's all. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. All right. Any other comments from the board? All right. Hearing none, I'm going to go ahead and call the question. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Aye. All right, thank you. And I have already spoken. I'm going to announce our chair of the Mental Health and Wellness Committee. It will be Pam Shaw, and I will be working with Pam to help fill out the rest of the committee. So, and thank you, Pam, for your willingness to serve. <clears throat>
All right, item D, as I just, uh, I've heard uh, a little whisper from the auction chair, and she wanted to thank all of our ACB board of directors for all their support in, uh, in donating items to the auction and also for participating in the auction. So thank you all for your efforts. Uh, your leadership has been greatly appreciated. Can she speak? Uh, yes, we'll, we'll let her speak, but yeah. Allowing you to speak. Am I allowed to speak, Mr. President? You are. <laughs> thank you. So I'd just like to thank you guys so, so, so much. Um, all the proceeds from the summer auction will go to community and membership engagement. So thank you. We, the, the auction committee really, really appreciates this board. I, I can't say it enough. It's the 16th year of this auction. It's a very near and dear thing to my heart. So get ready, guys, because the holiday auction is coming up. <laughs> so I will be reaching out to you. Thank you, Mr. President. All right. Thank you so much, Leslie. Appreciate your committee's hard work. And what? Uh, you'll get, you're going to report later on in the week of how it did. So thank you. All right. Uh, item E, I'm going to introduce uh, Deb Cook-Lewis, our first vice president. We've uh, been uh, working here for several months to put together a little more structure around our ACB leadership email list uh, and uh, wanted to, uh, we're gonna put in place a kind of formal monitoring monitoring approach like we do for conversation and other lists. Um, and also uh, we are working to kind of clean up the leadership list. So I'll talk to that part a little bit before I turn it over to Deb. So when we did the initial analysis, and thanks to Nancy and Nancy Christine for all their hard work from our Minneapolis staff, but we had 300, we have about had, we're down a little bit, but we had around 360 people on our leadership list. When we did the first evaluation, 50 of them were no longer members of ACB. Many, many, unfortunately, are now on the angel's wall, but yeah. And, and others, just for different reasons, had fallen out over the years. So that narrowed it down a little bit. We were able to remove those email addresses. Then we had a few people that had multiple email addresses, many of whom are on this board. So we got you hopefully down to where you're only getting things on one email address. Uh, so we're down to about 310 or so members at this point in time where we're doing more analysis. Um, right now, who's automatically invited to the leadership list are members of our board of directors, members of our staff, our ACBES board, our, our BOP board, as well as our committee chairs, vice chairs, and co-chairs, and our affiliate presidents. So when we put those all together, and some people serve multiple roles, and as you all know, uh, we end up with about 130 unique individuals. So that means we've got about 180 that aren't any of those things. And so we're going through and trying to reach out to the different state affiliates as one approach to say, if you live in this state, you know, and you're not one of these things, here's people that are on the list. You want, you, you get to have at least three of those people, or you're not at least, you get to have three of those people represent you if, if, if you so wish on your state affiliate level. And then we're going to have to do a little bit different approach for the special interest affiliates. But the goal is to kind of get this down to the true list of our current 
uh, leaders within the organization. And then besides kind of the list cleanup, the second part is really putting a better monitoring approach in place. So Deb, would you like to speak to that portion? We're having a hard time hearing some of the people who are speaking. Okay, that's because they were off mic. They were just asking for a microphone, Diane. So we're getting okay. a microphone. And Michael Talley is agreeing to be the mic runner for a few minutes to give uh, uh, Nancy is soaking her feet in a little pool of <laughs> okay. Epsom salts, and we'll be back with us shortly. So. Okay, thank you. Who, who has the other microphone? Okay, all right, thank you. We have two microphones and 138 people. So no, just kidding. <laughs> there it goes. Right. It was turned off. Sorry. Yeah, we they only hear us on Zoom if we're on the mic. But when we're asking for the mic, <laughs> that's what we're doing. Um, so, yeah, Dan's really covered most of this. So I don't think there's too much for me to say, except that we are going to try to have a little bit better monitoring system. If you uh, go back to the original intent of the leadership list, it was um, very much to talk about topics that would have to do with um, ACB or blindness issues. It was not for other kinds of topics. So uh, we have a lot of posts on the leadership list for people's personal technology questions. I'm sorry, guys, it might be a good place to post those, but we can't do that. Um, and there are some other things that, so we're going to be actually bringing back the original guidelines pretty much that we um, used to have. And so we didn't, we thought we were going to have to rocket science that or something, but we don't, it's really the intent um, was very good there. So we will be bringing that back in force and, um, and we will work through that. I think that, that some of the challenges and some of the communication glitches that people have had via email can be really avoided by, um, by really reducing our, our topics. So, um, you know, we're, we're going to try to really do that. We've had this discussion, um, with a number of, different settings. We've actually been having it for a while. It's just that we, it got side burnered for a while because of a lot of other projects, but it's definitely something that we need. And so um, we've had pretty good success with that on the conversation list and it actually manages pretty well and does have a little bit more open dynamic. Um, one of the other things that I think that I've been really asked to um, consider, and I know some people find it a little controversial, but um, we need to also reduce the number of posts about events, um, particularly community events and other kinds of events, not, not picking on anything in particular. But it doesn't seem fair to me that a certain set of people can post their events to leadership when other people cannot. Um, who are not on that. So why do we use leadership to do that? Um, we have a community email list that comes out every day with all the events. We have a radio announce list that you can subscribe to that comes out with its events and needs to do a little better job on that, but it's doing a good job here in convention. So maybe we can keep that up. And um, 
and we can create others if we need to, but but the cluttering up the leadership list with announcements of shows that will be on in a week, will be on in two days, just were on an hour ago. Um, we need to stop doing that. So, um, so we uh, want to try to work that through with people, figure out what people need to be able to promote their events in a way that's meaningful, but that promotes it to, you know, the, the right people at the right time and not just um, the leadership. So, um, so we really want to make this list focused and people tell me that they don't like to subscribe to lots of lists, but you know, you probably don't mind the number of lists if that doesn't double or triple the email in your box. So the issue is that if the lists are very focused on the topic at hand, if that topic matters to you, you don't mind subscribing as much as if you think you're going to get 14 piles of stuff that are not part of that subscription. So um, we're, we're going to be working it through and working it through with, um, with leaders uh, but one of the big asks is going to be that, as Dan said, we're going to be asking states to um, identify the people uh, who need to be there. And it may be very different people from who are because uh, we do want it to be leaders in the states. So um, it's a big challenge and something that uh, we have to actually revisit every year. We're looking at tying it to um, when the membership drive completes and then asking states each year to re-identify so that people come onto the leadership list for a period um, that's relevant and that we have a way to remove them without waiting for them to become angels. So, um, so it's really true. We found some, I listed off some, I said, I bet we're going to find, and yep, they all were accounted for and they have not been inappropriately posting. So I guess we can leave them, <laughs> but, but, that, but I'm, I, I believe in equal opportunity cleanup. So those are pretty much already gone. So um, I certainly, you know, I, I want this to be a good process. I, I want this to serve um, our leaders and it's not, it's not meant to be uh, a difficult or punitive process, but it's going to feel uncomfortable to people who are not chosen to stay there. So thank you. Thank you, Deb. All right. Dan, uh, this is Doug. Oh, okay. I, ooh, this is going to get some conversation. Okay. I hear Doug and then Patrick. So the, and then Connie. Okay, so first Doug uh, from Zoom, and then Patrick, and then Connie. So go ahead, Doug. Thank you, sir. Um, I just want—I did not hear in your uh, list of people who are on, uh, you know, who are invited to be on the leadership list, uh, the um, the DKM and the, um, the J.P. Morgan Chase leadership uh, fellows, and I I. I I would think that we that would be part of our commitment to those people who have committed to uh, developing as leaders to include them on the leadership list. I like that. That's a very good ad, Doug, and I'll work with uh, Kenneth Simeon and uh, we'll make sure. I think most of them are there, but if not, we'll make sure that they're there. I like it. Uh, Patrick and then Connie. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Deb, I know you've heard this before, but... I'm wondering how difficult it would be to have the command control R just go back to the sender and not the entire list. That would cut down a lot of traffic. 
I um, I don't think we need to say I agree on the list so many times as we see it right now. Come to okay. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, so you know there are different ways to think about this, but most lists actually operate the way our lists do, which is that you're replying to the list. You need to be talking to the group. If you need to um, reply to the individual, there are definitely ways to do that, and you need to learn that. And I think rather than making our lists. Um, work differently from other lists, the better thing to do is to do some training and some work with our members and some coaching with them about how to know where their messages are going. Um, it's, it's really frustrating to people on the other side of that when they want to reply to the list and they do a reply and that works on 98% of the lists they're on and then it just goes to one person. So I think that we should operate with the personally believe and ultimately, I mean, I could be overruled, but I believe that that we should operate on the uh, principles that lists operate on and that we should expect our members to learn to use that. And we certainly can do um, more training, but there's so many people on groups.io now and all of the groups.io lists I'm on work this way. And so we need to actually um, move up and work that way as well. But it, it's going to take a little bit of work. Okay. And then Connie. For those that are on Zoom, Connie and Deb are at immediate diagonal angles in different directions. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one's in Iowa and one's in Nebraska. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Um, so. Pat kind of asks the one question, and this is coming from some members that are asking. Basically, you know, they want to make sure that the affiliates, you know, how it is it going to be monitored or guaranteed that, you know, some of this is going to be addressed for affiliate or for information. So that was one of the concerns. Um, And is it some of this stuff should be probably moved to the conversation list? And that's wondering if people are going to be talked about if conversation leadership if it's not irrelevant to leadership is it going to be moved to conversation how how is that going to be implemented and dealt with um one of the other ones then was that they are wondering um that when they want like an affiliate wants to announce um let's say in an something that's going to be on ACB media or one of their events, do they announce it on the conversation list then instead of leadership list so everyone can hear or they make sure that their members get the Zoom or information that needs to be done. So they just want some clarification of how, what affiliates can actually do with their members um, if members are going to be taken off leadership. Deb, are you replying or you, you can't? Okay. While, while, while the mic's coming back over, I mean, affiliates will be represented by their president and at least three, well, three other individuals. Yeah. It typically ends up being more because you'll find that affiliates also have members who are chairs of committees or co-chairs. So I think there'll be representation there. Your second question was more about 
uh, posting. So how do you right. get those announcements out? So, yes. uh, you know, we we definitely have have thought that the process of having announcements on the leadership list or on conversation is um, is appropriate. You definitely reach a, a wider audience on conversation um, and it's probably a more appropriate place. But certainly an announcement of an affiliates affiliate event you know, is probably something that we're going to consider still still appropriate um, to reach out to the other leaders of affiliates about. Think of it as the kind of thing that affiliates might actually pass on to their members. So if you're having your state convention or you're having some other large event, um, you know, that might be something that would be of interest to people who, who aren't your members. But we know that affiliates probably don't pass on every community call that's posted to the leadership list. Um, and so, or other, other thing like that. And that's probably the kind of stuff that wouldn't go there, but certainly some major events, uh, the state conventions and some other major things that affiliates have posted. I mean, it seemed to me at least to be really appropriate. So uh, it's not that nothing could ever be posted, but it just needs, we're, we're just going to really try to figure out where's the line um, around, around this whole process of what's too much and, and get some feedback about that as we're going. So, um, you know, it, obviously anything of mine, you know, that's important and I'm going to fight, you know, seriously. I mean, that's how people feel, but we've got to, we've got to just really trim this down. So it will probably be things at the affiliate level and not sort of down at the individual, um, activity level. All right. Well, thank you all for that conversation. That was very good. Uh, last thing on the president's uh, report was just a reminder that our next telephonic board meeting, I always like to say this a little earlier before people start running out of the room, uh, will be August uh, 31st uh, at, uh, I forget what time I said, but 8 or 8.30, 8 o'clock. Thank you. 8 o'clock. Eight o'clock. Thank you, Donna. Uh, at eight o'clock. So that's a Wednesday and it's the last day of August. Also, uh, Janet brought this up, but our fall board meeting, uh, the meeting itself will be on the 22nd and all day. I'm going to make all day. So from nine to five, we will have a board workshop. So when you're making your reservations for Chicago, plan on getting in on Thursday. So you can be ready to have a board workshop on Friday. So we'll have a board workshop all day Friday and the board meeting on Saturday. We have three new board members that got elected last uh, year, and we'll have probably three new board members this year. So we you know, are at the point where almost half of our board is going to have a year or less experience. And I think there's a real opportunity there for us to spend a day uh, working on, um, you know, just board, good, good old fashioned one-on-one board education for all of us. So we haven't done that in a little while. So that'll be the focus of the workshop on Friday, the 21st, and then the board meeting will be on uh, the 22nd of October. Yes. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, David, David, I think has the mic and then Chris is next. Okay. I think, oh, Lord. Uh, I'm used to mics being better. Uh, I think that it might be a good time since we do 
have uh, people run in this week for the board that it might be a good time for someone to go over the, with the economic status like it is right now, to go over the stipends and how they work? Sure. I'll turn that to Nancy because she's the official keeper of, uh, of the, of the <laughs> anonymity resolution. related to stipends. Yes. Okay, give me a second here. And we upped the stipend amount uh, to make it very, uh, very okay. significantly uh, better. Huh? No, no, for, for the, you're talking about stipends related to the in person board meetings. Yes. Okay, just for the board members. Not for the for Yeah, for just everybody's journal information. Yeah. Chris, were you yeah, she, she was very faint. She wasn't on that. She was asking a question. She she wanted to know what she what we we asked her to cover. So she's going to cover that Chris, in a minute after we hear raised? from Chris. Okay, thank you. Oh, I I did ask my question of Dan. Okay, but but David wanted an answer from you. So, but you but you Chris and then uh, well, my question doesn't Here. relate to stipend. So Here. okay. But, Good. Let me talk to Dave while you guys are here. All right. <laughs> this is Chris. This go, is a, go ahead, Chris. You have this the is floor. A, yeah, this is a totally different question. So um, as a board member, uh, I received uh, copies of letters uh, to the board and to the officers from the Florida Council of the Blind and the Next Gen Committee. And I'm wondering, Mr. President, if you'll have a report on your meetings uh, as it relates to, to policy, not individual uh, gripes or concerns or whatever, but just on the policy issues that uh, were uh, addressed in those letters and that you addressed with the, uh, the groups. Um, sure. I mean, I can... Uh, um don't know that I'm ready to give a big detailed report today. We can do that in the October 30, I'm excuse me, August 31st meeting. Uh, in general, um, you know, I've spoke to the presidents of both of those organizations. I spoke to the executive committee uh, at the Florida Council of the Blind prior to uh, at their executive committee meeting the Thursday before the FCB convention began. Um, I would say related to both of those, uh, I'll take maybe next generation first. I spoke with both Amanda Selm and Matt Selm, who are the president and first vice president of next generation. They're, um, they're, I would say concern or issues, however you wanted to, to phrase it. And, and it's interesting to me because I think the, and Chris, you and I have talked a little bit about this. The, the, the goal posts have moved a little bit for our organization over the last three years, and I think it's very healthy. But their concern is that as an affiliate and a new special interest affiliate, they would like to have more dialogue and feedback into policies that are being brought before the ACB Board of Directors that they're filling, uh, and Matt is also an affiliate president for the state of Kentucky, besides his role in Next Generation, that they believe at times 
that our organization makes decisions without having ample discussion with the membership. So this is a new new world for this board that, you know, in, in, in at least when I first came on the board, we met three times a year plus the budget meeting. There was no community where dialogue could take place. There was no Zoom platform that existed. So the vast majority of the meetings and conversations that the board had were uh, three times a year and in-person meetings. And then the president worked very directly with the executive director on things that dealt with day-to-day -day activities of the organization. Obviously, technology, our involvement in many different areas, that has changed over these last three plus years. And so there's a lot more opportunity out there as witnessed by the fact that this board meeting, our BOP meetings, uh, you know, we have telephonic Zoom board meetings now multiple times a year. So there's lots of opportunity to have conversation with our members, as well as we have a president's hump day happy hour that takes place every Wednesday where affiliate presidents can have conversations. We have a special interest affiliate circle that concentrate on special interest affiliate circle, I mean, special interest affiliate issues that's headed by Gabriel Lopez Cafati and Jeff Tom. Uh, we've had multiple meetings of that team here dealing a lot with the convention, but as Gabriel posted out even just last week, uh, the special interest affiliate circle is not just for for convention-related discussions and will continue on in some of the dialogues in these areas. So I believe uh, we are having a lot of more conversation with our members than we used to have. We have formed nine steering committees where we, for the first time, bring our staff, our board representatives, and our committee chairs all together to talk about issues dealing in our nine program and service areas, which I don't have to remind this group, but for the listeners out there, they're the convention, advocacy, information referral and peer support, public awareness, uh, audio description project, scholarship and awards, administrative administration and management and development fundraising. So each of those steering and membership, Membership services. Thank you, Ray. <laughs> I knew I'd forget one as I went through it. Thank you. And so those committees get together on a monthly basis, some of them even more often to talk about uh, all of those key programs and services areas. And so there's lots of representative representation and discussion there. So um, one of the items that we've got for discussion with the board today is the ACB media. Um, and affiliate engagement policy. And again, that's coming out of a dialogue that we had with the Florida Council of the Blind Executive Committee, where we, uh, you know, people in the letter were asking the question, where's the policy? Where, where is it written down what ACB media does and what the affiliates do? And trying to kind of balance both of these things, I felt like you know, again, we don't want to go adopt a policy without hearing from our members and our affiliates. 
but we need to start somewhere. So that's why I presented that today with help of Rick Morin, who's in a full-time staff position as our ACB media technical manager to come together and have that conversation, put a draft out there and have that continued dialogue back and forth. We'll socialize it with the board. We'll socialize it with our affiliate presidents. We'll, uh, you know, socialize it in the public awareness steering committee. We'll have community calls on it. You know, we have a lot of ways that we can communicate with each other now that we didn't have three years ago. Uh, And so, it's a learning experience. Um, so again, I'm hoping that's a way that we, we answer those concerns as well on the ACB media side, which is where a lot of the focus of the Florida Council of the Blind Letter was directed. Uh, we're putting together an ACB media support committee. Again, another opportunity for people to come together and provide feedback and input. So don't know that I have all the answers in that area, but um, we've tried to respond to both of those letters of concern. Uh, any feedback from you, Chris? Well, thank you, uh, Dan, for, for that. Um, when we get to discussing uh, several of the draft policies, I will be making a motion um, to the effect that we have an experiment where uh, on some of the policies, we may adopt them on an interim basis, but send them out to the presidents of affiliates, at least, and seek their um, formal or informal comment uh, for a reasonable period of time before it the issue gets back to the board who can consider those comments and adopt the policy as a final uh, uh, policy, because I think that communication is one thing, input is another, and they're not the same. And I think that uh, the feeling that a lot of people I've talked to have is that people don't feel like we are, that they have a lot of control over what happens at the board member room? Sure, we elect board members and we have a very robust resolution process, but I think we need to go one step further and have, uh, at least as an experiment, a formal process for input on some of these things uh, to, uh, not because I have a problem with any of them, but I just think it's, I think the process is important. And so I'm going to be uh, pursuing that. So thank you, Mr. President. Yeah, uh, Kenneth asked for the microphone. Yes, uh, going back to the initial question presented by Chris, I've witnessed after making a call to an affiliate president that expressed concerns to us, we didn't really know, especially new board members, what the process might be about who would do what. So after finding out that multiple board members makes individual calls to the affiliate president to get details. I'm wondering, are we overbearing them with all of our questions and maybe possibly repeating the questions to each uh, or responses to each board member? Uh, What other process could we uh, put together to make sure that we know maybe our president would uh, 
make a move first to communicate and then we would know we'd get feedback and then we would know how to move forward. But recently I did not know exactly what steps I should take. And I know I'm working with ACB Next Generation, so I wanted to make an appropriate move. But I did find out that there were multiple calls that went there that uh, maybe could overwhelm the affiliate president if we don't consider another format. Yeah, uh, well, it's, Kenneth, you bring up an interesting question. And, and we, boy, there's, there's 68 affiliates, right? So there's lots of different journeys we could go down there. And, but as we know, every member of this board of directors has five to seven affiliates that they're the board liaison with. So obviously there's an opportunity direct from the affiliate president to the board liaison on any dialogue that, that those of particular affiliates want to bring to this board. And it's a two way um, conversation. You know, it's not a one way down or one way up. It's designed for the board liaison and the affiliate to have an ongoing conversation. Um, in the next generation situation, I mean, you asked me the direct question, so I'll give you a direct answer. I'm, I, because we're kind of in an interim period here, I, I am the board liaison to next generation at this point in time. I know Kenneth, you and I are continuing to have some conversations there, but uh, and this was part of the conversation I had with Amanda and Matt uh, when I called them is, you know, I, I do believe we have a little bit of a concern here. Guys, I'm going to put it out on the table and let's talk about it a little bit. I, it worries me that with all these opportunities we have to talk to each other, uh, and I mentioned this to Matt and, and Amanda and Matt, the first conversation that Next Generation had was the it was a demand letter to the board. That just doesn't feel like to me the best way to have a conversation inside of our organization. We are not a hard group of people to get hold of and talk with. And so when we're starting with a demand letter, I have to ask the question, why? It's happened twice in the last three months. The first conversation was a demand letter. And that that to me doesn't seem like the way we've done business for the last five years, 10 years, or 20 years. So I don't know what's causing this. And it's bothering me. You can ask my wife because I haven't slept very well for the last three months. It's bothering me. And so I, I appreciate the conversation, Chris and Kenneth. I definitely appreciate the question from you. And I I'd like us to have a conversation about it because it's yes. it's um, it's difficult. Um, I'm ready to start that conversation, there, Mr. President. All right, go um, ahead. Well, go let ahead, me um, let me say this. Um, I think I think you're absolutely right with all of the platforms that we have. I think people not only want more communication, but I think it's kind of expected now that. You know, we have more communication. And um, let me say this about specifically the next gen. As many as, as you know, many of you know, I believe everybody saw, I responded to next generation and asked them some of those questions. You know, why didn't they take their concerns to, you know, because it was mainly about the community. Why didn't they go to, um, to Cindy or to the community support committee? And, um, 
you know, was I was told that, well, first they didn't know about the community support committee. Well, if we didn't communicate that out well enough, that's that that's on us. Um, and um, you know, but you know, it, I guess that's I guess it bothered me that they didn't go to the staff person that is responsible for community first. I mean, going to the board kind of sounds like the the last thing you do, at least the way I've always done business. Um, I, I My concern is I, I have no problem socializing things, communicating things. But yet, while some might say we can never have too much communication, yes, we can. I don't want this to be, I mean, we're a member-run organization, but the board needs the ability to govern between conventions, which is what our constitution and bylaws say that we do. And while uh, I think that there is plenty of room for um, dialogue and discussion about things, we as the board, if it's between conventions, again, as long as we don't violate other things that the convention has has said, we, we need the ability to make decisions. And, you know, there are times that decisions have to be made. And, um, you know, it, it's, I, I don't think it's, if we've got to ask 68 affiliates, well, can we do something? That's, that just seems like a lot to me. And I think, I think we've got to find a balance here and I don't know where that is, but um, just throwing that out there. Thank, thank you, Ray. And, and before I recognize the next person and the other part of that is the board only meets three times face to face or hybrid a year and another maybe three times with telephonic board meetings that we just put in during this administration and we have our budget meeting. And again, the board sets policy, it sets governance, it makes major decisions. But I hope we're all clear that the day-to-day running of the organization is why we hire an executive director and a staff. So we are not deciding, you know, uh, how quickly Clark Rackful is going to reply to a letter he received from the Federal Communications Commission asking ACB a question. That's why we hired Eric and we hired Clark. And we know Clark, if it's important, is going to reach out to the Advocacy Steering Committee and the Advocacy Services Committee or the appropriate committee and get the, get the, get the education and the information he needs to make a reply on ACB's behalf. Now, there's a gray area there, and there's certain things that are critical enough that need to come to the board. But the board is not involved in the day-to-day running of the organization. That is the executive director and the staff. And again, I think all of this is why we need a level of, of um, education and understanding of how non-for-profit boards function. So... Thank Patrick you. Yes. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Um, Ray, I'll direct this at you because I don't know the answer, but the community, community support um, group, do they have any processes written down as to how you get in touch with them, what their role and function is, and how they operate? And is that on the web? Because that might help 
if that function is detailed out, the, out there on the web with respect to process, who, what they do, how you get in touch with them, and how they operate. I think that's part of what we have as one of the issues here is we don't have the processes or procedures documented so people know what to do. Can I come in for just a second? Um, we have a raised hand, and we have for a while um, okay, when you're well, ready. Okay, Diane, okay. who is that raised hand, and we'll put them in the order? It's, um, I believe this is Jim again, uh, area, okay. uh, area code 407 ending in 477. Okay, we'll put, we'll put Jim in the queue. Okay. Uh, but, but before, and Doug would like to be Ray, in the queue, too. But, but, let me okay, res- that, that was Doug? Okay. Yeah, that yes, was Doug. Jim. Let me, let me respond to Patrick, and okay, I'll, throw it, I'll throw it to Cindy to help me out a little bit here because I don't remember everything. So um, the Community Support Committee does have a way that people can get in touch. The, the committee has had two quarterly town halls that are advertised on community where people can come and they can you know, express their concerns or comments or whatever about the community. Uh, one was in March and one was in June. But in addition to that, the Community Support Committee also has an email address that people can send. And it's independent. Well, you can always send to community at acb.org if you have concerns. But the Community Support Committee has its own email address that, Cindy, I don't remember. I, I will tell you. Where are you at, Ray? I'm going to have you. Okay. Right, you're right I was trying to find you. acbcommunity.committee at gmail.com. That goes directly to Lucy Edmonds who is the chair of the community support committee. Also, uh, those two town halls, of course, were advertised on the community uh, email list, which community events has over 2,200 subscribers. And, uh, and, you know, the board here in a board meeting uh, did adopt, or, or it was knowledge that the, a community support committee was formed back in October. What their their activity level, Patrick, though, is still, they're new, kind of like what you guys were talking about with another committee. So I will just say that they're still, you know, kind of feeling their way, but it is available. And they have sat in when there have been concerns brought to me directly. Um, I have brought Lucy Edmonds in as chair to sit in on conversations with individuals, as well as that committee has drafted correspondence um, in response to a concern brought to uh, us for community. So we are using, utilizing uh, that committee uh, currently, but I believe it will grow in the way that we do. And and this is... uh want to while we're getting a microphone back to Patrick and then we still have uh, Jim and Doug I think from the uh, from zoom side thank uh, you Michael just just to re- reply back I the other thing that I think we all know as a board that we greatly need to work on are and we've we've assigned this to the archive committee that was formed last year and uh, specifically with David Trott uh, from this side. So the archive committee is taking on two responsibilities. One is kind of continuing to to um, document our, our history and our legacy as an organization. 
But the second responsibility of the archive committee is to really help us formalize our policies and procedures. Uh, one thing that, uh, and I think David's got a team uh, along with Nancy, Donna and Connie that are all working on this. What has been very difficult for us, and some of you that are, have been on the board or involved in ACB even longer than I have, it's amazing the number of times somebody in a meeting will say, well, we passed a policy on that in 1997. Or we passed a policy on logo, logo description in 2003. And we, we don't have those policies anywhere as an organization, many of them. So what we've challenged the archive committee to do is to go back and look at, start. let's start and go back just to the year 2000. Let's go back in our meeting minutes back to the year 2000 and see if we can find the policies and procedures that this organization has approved and put them somewhere. Because folks, the reality is, we have passed lots of policies and procedures as boards for, for years and years and decades that we don't follow. We don't know where they are. And this is really scary when our government governing documents for this organization, we don't have good retention. of. I'll give you an example. Um, the guidelines for reasonable accommodations. The board passed that document in 2007, and in that policy, it said it would be updated every two years. We updated it last year in 2021. Maybe it was this year, earlier in 2022, actually, I think it was. So it was 15 years since we last updated it. When we went to find the policy, she's left the room, so this is not, she, she saved us. The only person who could find a copy of the policy was Janet Dickelman, and it was on her own personal computer. So here we have our reasonable accommodations policy that the board passed in 2007 with an understanding that it would be updated every two years. And this is not finding fault with anybody. They'll be, they'll be the same. Hopefully it won't be the same way in 10 years from now. But, but you know, that was 15 years ago. And we updated it just this year. And we've got lots of other policies out there that have been passed by previous boards of directors with ACB. And we really, really need to work to get our policies all in place and updated. And then I think it really will help our members and our organization understand the governing documents that, that drive us. So, uh, Patrick, thank, you wanted you, to Dan. respond, you, and then we have Jim and Doug. Sure. You took a lot of my thunder, but, uh, and Dan, you know, I understand the updating of policies since we'll be talking about code of conduct policy updates later on today. I also know that uh, Nancy Marks Becker uh, will be working with a, a group on the admin side to do exactly what we just said. Uh, Ray and Cindy, uh, I, I think it's great that you've had the meetings. I think that's wonderful. And I think that rather than say what we don't have, uh, we, we know that we have the groups meeting and that's good. And I would just urge that we go forward with putting together policies so that for the folks that don't 
uh, let's say, get to some of these meetings or whatever, that they can at least see how the group functions, what their roles and responsibilities are going to be, how you get in touch with the group and what, what areas they cover. Getting policies down is a lot of work and it's a pain in the neck, but it really is a good thing for us to have as a group so that, and I'm seeing a lot of this, people understand what to expect, what the timelines are going to be to get answers back and how we can move forward. Uh, and that's just something we need to all improve on, uh, not just community and, and other things, but you know the rest of the board, as Dan has said, and that Nancy and her group will be undertaking. Thank you. Yes, it really, you know, it, and as we go through our, we continue to go through our entrepreneurial, easy for me to say, entrepreneurial operating system traction process, uh, approach, really the last thing that, that gets tackled through traction is truly defining your processes and your procedures, your key major processes and procedures. And it really is something that to continue to professionalize this organization, we're really going to have to put some time and attention to. Uh, Jim from Zoom. Jim Crott. Uh, yes, thank you, Dan. Um, <clears throat> I just wanted to express uh, words of commendation for the actions that our president is taking to ensure that these policies and practices and procedures are collected and memorialized in a way that they can be referenced and applied to, as well as his announcement, at least from my perspective, uh, with respect to the formation of policies to address uh, the matters in two instances that were addressed in the letter by um, to the board by the Florida Council of the Blind. Uh, I think that's very good and noteworthy. Um, I will say um, two other things very briefly, and I don't really um, want to um, go into uh, depth, but it is my um, feeling uh, from personal experience as well as experience with the Florida Council of the Blind, that the leadership uh, of this organization um, takes offense with things received in writing. Those things are often received in writing um, because there is a frustration in my own experiences, to be sure, with the responses that come back when things are discussed as being meaningless and or somewhat um, bureaucratic. Um, I think this organization would be well served to be open to the written communications that are received, not be so offended by them. Hold on, Jim, you, you faded away. Uh, not by me. Can you hear me no. now? You're back. You're back. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. They, they are not, in my personal situation, they're not personal or meant to be offensive. I don't think they are by anybody, um, but there is a sensitivity to receiving written objections and complaints, and I would hope that could, could cease 
um, I, I would hope that um, the leadership can be more receptive. Uh, it is interesting that um, the things that we ultimately raised in the Florida Council letter, the concerns that we brought forth, the questions that we answered, are in fact now being addressed. I'm not sure anybody felt they would have been had we talked about them. And I will say with respect to FCB, not belaboring it, but there were attempts and failed discussions by the leadership of FCB that led to the letter. So open communication is important. I think that um, the leadership is, is bending and learning in that direction. Um, I don't think written uh, objections are all bad. Um, yes, it's a shame they go to the board. Um, I'm not sure uh, that it's any better to send them to the board or, uh, in my case, to the leadership. They both got pretty badly pummeled, but it is what it is. And I do commend Dan for the steps forward he is taking. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. And now Doug Powell. I'd like to add the conversation in a, in a slightly different way. The um, One of the ways I think that we can, um, well, so let me start with the special interest affiliates are by design for people who have special interests. And I think th they are special interests that um, contribute to the overall mission of ACB. And I think that I understand that they have separate charters and that, you know, they are separate organizations, but they are associated with ACB and there are varying degrees to which um, special interest affiliates um, want to be aligned with, with ACB uh, in, in specific ways. But uh, I'm not, I don't want to get into that conversation, but I, I do think that one of the ways that we can sort of pull our constituencies is to include the special interest affiliates in the steering committees. The steering committees have, uh, you know, by design have, have a fair amount of power in uh, recommending to the leadership team how we react to, you know, policies, practices, et cetera, and advocacy uh, opportunities. I think that not having the uh, special interests affiliates um, represented on those steering committees is doing ourselves a disservice in terms of how we relate to the outside world uh, and, and the interior world as well as we develop. So I, I, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. I think that one of the ways that we can expand our uh, reach out to members is to make sure that the special interest affiliates have uh, opportunities to input into policies by um, being uh, represented on the steering committees. Thank you, Doug. All right. Do we have other comments? Uh, uh, David? As you know, uh, when I ran and when I was elected, I'm, I've always talked about transparency. And so I've got to be transparent here today in that 
I was not aware of the, I was aware of the Florida Council of the Blinds um, letter to the board. I got it. I never received anything from Next Gen. I'm assuming that it's because about a year and a half ago, I changed email addresses. I don't know that, but I did, did want them, especially in the membership, to be aware that I was unaware of it. So uh, that's why I didn't respond in any way. Uh, we might want to look, Dan, as far as our communications to have, or Eric actually, to have a place where, uh, you know, our current information is available to the membership. Yeah, and well, I think, and this brings us up a, a good conversation point because I have to admit it didn't happen for the two first almost three years of administ my administration to the last to the last three months is, you know, and and I think uh, who was it? Um, maybe it was you, Kenneth, that that brought it up. That next gen sent a a letter to the board, so the board all starts replying to next gen and calling them and finding out what what their concerns are, right? So, um, and maybe this is even a good question to ask Jim, because uh, uh, I know he had a lot to do with the FCB letter that went to the board. So when an affiliate sends a letter to the board, what is, you, you know, this is kind of an interesting protocol for us. Who, who speaks on behalf of the board? Or do we have 17 people who now reply to that letter and start asking questions and concerns. How, how as a board do we want to respond to a letter that comes to the board? Because, you know, if, if we get a letter from Microsoft to ACB, you know, that, that kind of gets handled one way. But when we get a letter from an affiliate, how do we reply? How do we respond? Yeah. Mr. President, and we have Kenneth and then and then Ray. OK. OK. Uh, in response to that question, it really goes along with what I was going to say earlier. You mentioned uh, about board liaisons being that key person, key contact. That's a start right there to respond to your question. But other than that, uh, some affiliates recently told me that they're not aware of who their board liaison is. So that's another thing we have to make sure that we're doing during our part to uh, make them aware of who we are, if we are that person that's supposed to be working with them. And so what you want, my last comment is what you just said really answered my question earlier about uh, who would do make this initial contact. Should it be the president? But maybe we should really have that board liaison to respond to that or even let the board know maybe they have communicated with that affiliate and the affiliate chose to come to the board. We would have some way of knowing about it. Right. Uh, Ray, thank you, Kenneth. Yeah. I'm going to piggyback a little on what Kenneth said. And, um, you know, it, and that is that um, to me, um, um, you know, first of all, I don't know how affiliates could not be aware of who their liaisons are, but you know, again, that maybe, maybe there's, we, we need to make sure that the communication loop is closed up. Um, but I think, I think that 
we should, and this may be some education we can do with all of our affiliates, state and special interest, is that, you know, hey, um, if you have a concern that you feel needs to go to leadership, that your first your first point of contact is your affiliate liaison, um, and that you contact them, and then the liaison can come to Dan as president or whoever the president is, or the whole leadership team, and say, hey, this affiliate's got a, a huge concern here that I think we we need to have a we need to meet and talk about and um, formulate a, a response to. Maybe that's one way that that could be uh, one piece of that uh, communication that could happen. Um, so that's just uh, throwing that, that thought out there. Um, I, I do think, I still feel like we need to really tighten down the expectations, both of what's expected of the affiliate liaisons and what is expected of the affiliates working with those liaisons. Dan, I have a comment. Thank you, Ray. And and that has varied greatly. You know, when I was a board member, you would have some affiliates that really wanted to engage with you and others that say, we, we got it. You know, we'll call you if we need anything. And you really don't have much of a dialogue. Yeah. So it's really varied. And we've always respected the autonomy of our affiliates. So it's a it's an interesting dance that I think we have as board members. Dan, I have a comment. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Go ahead, Jeff Bishop. Oh, okay. I didn't. Three raised hands also. Um, you know, okay, I can yeah. tell you who they are and you can decide. Uh, yeah, we're, we're only hearing from board members right now, but go ahead, Jeff Bishop. Okay. I have a couple. Yeah. I just have a couple of comments. Um, I, I think we could, we could elevate the understanding of who our um, representatives, representatives are at the board level for each affiliate within Link. I think that's something that's definitely missing right now and we can solve that problem uh so i think we could definitely do that i think we could also try to provide other opportunities uh in in ways to contact the board uh potentially even uh anonymously uh if if a if a member was not wanting to self-identify for whatever reason to be able to bring up a concern that that was uh, obviously uh, something that they felt strongly about. And I think we should be looking at all of these types of paths, uh, as well as just getting messaging out on procedures and policy, because I think that would really be helpful here. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, who are our other two hands? Okay, the two, two of the raised hands are um, Jim Crott and Penny Reader. They're, they're both on the board. So we'll hear first from Penny and then from Jim, because I know we haven't heard from Penny yet. Okay, Penny, you should be able Hi, to... Um, I'm sorry. Did, do you want to say something? No, go ahead, Penny. Thanks, Dan. Um, I had a question for Cindy, actually, um, because I want to clarify this when I write the report for the Braille Forum of this meeting. How, how are members for the Community Support Committee chosen, or how would one um, be able to participate on that committee? Well, how they're chosen, they're chosen by, like all other committees of ACB, the chair and the committee members are put in place by the president of ACB. Uh, typically, the way I have traditionally worked is I work to get a chair put in place, and then I work with that chair to fill out the committees. 
you know, dialogue okay, back you. and forth. Thank sure. you, Dan. That's that's what I thought, but I wanted to make sure. Thank okay. you. Sure, sure, Penny. It, and then Jim. It's Dan, really. Oh, go, quick. Cindy, go yeah. ahead. I just wanted to mention something in response to presidents not knowing who their liaisons are. I have actually sent out and have kept it updated a spreadsheet to all presidents on the president's list that includes all the current presidents, their contact information, as well as their liaisons and their contact information. And I did that about oh, four months ago and have kept it updated. So just wanted the board to know that that has been done. Okay. And, and Donna Brown had one quick comment related to that. I, I, I was going to say that 10 minutes ago, Cindy, that you had sent that out. <laughs> My arm was getting tired. That's that's what I wanted to say. Cindy has kept up with that, and and that's a big help. So, presidents, there's you should know who your liaison is. Okay, uh, now uh, Jim Crot from Zoom. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Hello. Okay, thank you. Um, thank you for asking me um, your question. I will I will try to address it. Uh, I did want to say I thought that uh, some of these. Comments are very um, helpful and spot on with respect to widening um, communications, which I think are at the heart of a lot of this. Um, I will say that in response to you sending that list out four months ago, Cindy, eh, I don't think some presidents shared it with their boards or others, so that doesn't really solve the problems in and of themselves. I know that's kind of a, a side issue, but um, when FCB sent its letter, and though I have been um, somewhat uh, suggested as a um, big entrepreneur behind that letter, I was not. I simply helped in the writing of it. Um, we did not expect 17 board members to call us and talk to us. Um, we didn't think that would be appropriate, and that wasn't what we wanted. We raised some questions um, in that letter that we were hopeful would get answered. Um, I am hopeful that down the road, maybe in August, as suggested by Dan, they will get answered. Um, I think that we're well on the way to having brought them up to attention that they they will get answered. Um, but in response, um, no, we didn't respect expect to be contacted, nor were we, to my understanding, uh, were contacted by uh, individual board members on this this letter. So thank you. All right. Do we have apparently Donna's hand? Do we have other hands up uh, that would like to be recognized from the board on this? You yeah. do have um, Regina Marie. No, she's not a board member, but thank you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Any other feedback from the board? All right. I would like to have a motion to approve the president's report. Oh, what was your question again? Oh, yeah, on the stipend. I'm sorry, Nancy. <laughs> Nancy stepped out. She made her get away. 
the stipend, you were going to provide us feedback on stipend. I got caught again. Okay, so what it says is the board committee recommended, and this was in February of 21, and the board of directors approved the board stipend to increase to $1,000 per board meeting. This is for air and ground transportation, hotel lodging based on double occupancy, daily per diem, excluding where ACB is paying for the meals. And if the actual receipts are below the $1,000 stipend, they will be reimbursed for their actual ex expenses incurred. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. All right. Now, I, do I have a motion to approve the president's report? That was Kenneth. Kenneth moved and David second. Any discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All right. It is right and now. Jim has his hand raised again. Oh, Jim has his hand raised. Okay. And then, Jim, you're recognized. Okay. Um, my question is in light of significant increase in air travel costs, notwithstanding my conservative budgeting approach, what is the procedure for entertaining a motion to change the $1,000? Because in some cases now that won't even cover airfare. Well, I you you can make a motion if you so wish, Jim. Okay, then then I would make a motion to uh, allow the one thousand dollar stipend uh, to be increased to recognize any airfare amount that goes over five hundred dollars as being added to that stipend. Okay, so um, if I just to clarify, Jim, so you're saying um, that right now you're interpreting the stipend that $500 of the $1,000 would go towards airfare. So if airfare was $700, then we would reimburse them at $1,200 is what you're saying. Is that, that is correct. Okay, as an example. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right, so Jim has made a motion. Do we have a second? Was that Patrick? Okay. Patrick, your voice is a little different. Okay. That Patrick Patrick has seconded the motion. All right. Any discussion on the motion? Uh, Ray and then David. Okay. Go ahead, Ray. I'm gonna I'm gonna vote against this motion because number one, I I think that the issues that we're seeing with airfares are are, are temporary. They're gonna go back down. But more importantly than that, you're 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 allowed up to a thousand dollars. Even before I was working for an airline, <laughs> my uh, you could get quite a bit of your expenses covered for a thousand dollars. And I think that you know, I, I I just don't feel like we can be 
can't messing around with the stipend every time there's a you know change change in in prices. If there's something that if 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 we find that airfares are continuing to stay high for a quite a period of time, then yes, we definitely should uh, take a look at it. But a thousand dollars is going to cover quite a bit of your expenses, even with prices being a little bit higher right now. And um, and that's um, and that's just uh, that's just my thoughts. Thank you, Ray. David. You need a mic? Yeah. Michael is a teamer. In in theory, I'm I'm for this motion, even though I'm probably going to vote against it. Uh the reason I'd vote against it is is there's no definite number there. A stipend should be to me, uh, for budgetary purposes, if you wanted to move it from a thousand to twelve hundred, that makes sense to me. Uh but 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 putting it out there where we really don't have anything to base it on, uh, I, I really have a problem with that. So I, I'm probably going to vote against it for that reason. Do you, do you wish to propose a counter-friendly amendment back to Jim to just go from 1000 to 1200 No, I, I, I think that my friend Jim is on the right track in a way, uh, but, I, but I'm kind of like Ray as well. I, I'm thinking that we're in a temporary thing here. Uh, you know, Omaha is different, so we really can't base it on that. Uh, we know where we're going the next year is Chicago. That should lessen the airfare issue. So um, unless we wanted to do it permanently, uh, I, I really can't support any increase. Okay. Jim has his hand up. Jim, go ahead. Um, in response to those comments, um, first of all, um, if – Nobody incurs a ticket that costs uh, less than $500. There's no exposure with my motion. Um, I didn't try to put a limit on it because my my information is coming back to me of, of airfares being all over the place, and I, I think you all would agree that they are. Um, I don't know if this is temporary or not. But if you all want, would feel better with a 18 month limitation on this motion, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But I think the problem that I have is uh, those running for board seats or holding board seats um, to consider. Um, big, uh, he, he faded again. Do you hear me now? Big possibilities. Sure. Thank you. Deb, I'm next. Okay, Deb. Oops. So, Jim, I believe you faded away a little bit, but you're saying that you would be willing to amend your motion to say for the next 18 months, if I understood you correctly. Uh, And Patrick, you were the seconder. Are you okay with that? Friendly amendment. Okay, so now it's the same proposal. Only it would only stay in existence for the next eighteen months as a temporary measure due to COVID travel price hikes. Okay, Deb. So you know, on that basis, I might be more in, willing to vote in favor. But I guess I do want to speak to the people for whom it would benefit. Um, I live in a rural area. I only have a regional airport. We haven't had a fare of $500 since sometime before the pandemic. 
So the fact that they're out the roof now is just par for the course. So, um, you know, it's, I, I think that I'm not as optimistic that they'll necessarily be coming down anytime soon. I, I hope they will eventually, but I don't think it may be that soon. It doesn't cost me any less to fly to Chicago than it did to, co- to fly to Omaha. And there were no tickets for less than about 800. Actually, for 200 more, I was able to go first class on a deal. So I would never expect ACB to reimburse that difference, of course. But my point is that, you know, it was it was $800 for the ticket just without a drop. So um, because we only have one carrier. So, um, you know, so basically, I think if we want to reach out to members who live in um, rural places, um, as part of our as part of our reach, the, this might be a consideration. We've always had it that if a member doesn't feel they need the stipend or all of the stipend, um, they don't have to take it. It's not mandatory. And um, I know I've taken a partial one before. I you know I said I just need to cover what I wouldn't have paid otherwise to come to the event or something like extra night or something. And so you know, I've done that before and, and hopefully people would. So I don't know how many people actually take them. I mean, that's not public information, but I'm not sure if this is um, a break deal, but I do think that putting a, a relook on this to say we are looking at it again in 18 months or something, some number is, is pretty valid. I, I'd be totally in favor of that. All right. This is Thank Doug. You, Go ahead. Who was that? Doug. Doug Powell, um, uh, yes. Go ahead, Doug. Ho- hopefully a friendly amendment to, say, economy class airfare. Yeah, economy class, and I would say that you book with it at least 30 days. This is not to do a last-minute booking. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> th- we know those rates are absorbent. Yes. Okay. Any other discussion on the motion? Um, Jim has his hand up. Yes, uh, Jim. No, I would support both of those. Thank you. Okay. Patrick, you're good with both of those as well? Economy only in 30 days? Okay. All right. Given that, I think I'm going to go ahead and call the question. All those in favor of the motion signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? I think we may have to do a roll call vote. Madam Secretary, we got to get her hooked up with a a mic stand and a mic. Um, how how do you, how do you want this to work with um Zoom? Should people um, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll call we'll call their names and then they'll respond. Okay, Diane. So yeah, you can unmute them all so they're ready to respond and. Only the yeah, only the board members, only board members vote. And I think uh, Kim may have had to step away for a therapy appointment. So if she's not there, we'll skip her. Jim and Doug, right? Um, yes. Well, Jim and Doug and Jeff. Okay, so go yeah, ahead. Uh, we'll go through the roll call and we'll start. Uh, Denise, when you're ready. Deb Cook Lewis. Ray Campbell. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to repeat just uh, for you. If you so Deb Cook. Lewis votes yes. yes. Okay. Ray Campbell. No. Ray votes no. Uh, David Trotz. 
David votes no. Kim Tarlson? I believe Kim is absent for a second. She had to step away for her rehab appointment. Chris Bell? Jeff Bishop? No. Donna Brown? James Crott? Donna voted no. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Donna voted no. Uh, I will remember to repeat. Uh, what'd you say, Jim? Yes. Yes. Doug Powell? Yes. Kenneth Simeon? Is he? No. Kenneth votes no. Pat Sheehan? That's it. Yes. Connie Sims? Yes. Michael Talley? No. Jeff Tom? No. I'm going to make you guys get in alphabetical order. Yes. And I vote yes, but no's have it. I think yes has it. One, two, two. I, I, I had the yeses having it, but. Okay. okay. Is that what everybody concurs? Yeah. I, I, I couldn't. I, 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 I think I think it was six and eight, but I'm not positive. Six yays, uh, six nos, eight, eight yays, yays, and six, six nos. And we had no. Well, we had Chris and and Kim did not vote. Correct. But I might be off by one. <laughs> we have 10 you and 5. Do it again? It should only be 15 votes. So. <laughs> oh, thank you, Cindy. Okay. Cindy says seven yeses and six noes. That makes sense because that adds yes. up with two not voting. Yes. Yep. Yep. Penny does not get no, to vote. She doesn't get to vote. We love Penny, but she doesn't get the vote. Yeah. Okay. So the motion passes seven to six. Thank you. We are now going to take a lunch break. So those that are guests, uh, we wish you well with your lunch options. Uh, for those staff and board members, uh, we'll be having lunch served, and we will reconvene at uh, 115 at 115 we're starting back up okay we want to go with 130 well give 130 130 we're starting back up <laughs> we want anything higher to become an, a, a, an auction item here <laughs> but 130 we will reconvene okay hey siri sent text and message to katie lear